Good morning. How's everybody doing? Well, it's good. I'm doing great. It's good to see all of you this morning. And, you know, we're in this sermon series we've been in now, my summer mixtape. And, and uh, I've been taking sermons each week that I've chosen, that I've preached somewhere over the last 20 years and sort of been telling you why they're my favorite sermon. And um, so this morning we have something really, really special because one of the most special sermons that I ever had the opportunity to preach was before we started Heartland. Uh, Heartland was in, its, uh, in, in that forming, forming stage. You know, it's like we're, we're putting things together, trying to get a group of people to come along and support us and be there for us and, and uh, support us in prayer and financially and by going and helping us and all those kind of things. And I got invited to go to our sponsoring church, um, which Calvary Baptist Church, and uh, I got to go there, and uh, Lamar Leifer was the pastor then, and Lamar invited me over, and he said, I want you to come, I want you to preach, I want the people to see you, to get to know you, and, uh, and, and we're going to encourage them to support you and get behind you in this new work. And so, um, you know, I thought it would be a really cool thing to do because, you know, we've been talking about for the last number of weeks that we're going to be helping to start a new church in the Bradenton, Sarasota area, Living Hope Church. And so this morning, uh, I get to return the favor that was given to me a, a long time ago. I've never forgotten that day. That was an important day. And this morning, we have Josh and Lacey Comus with us. They are the church planters that will be starting Living Hope Church. And Josh is going to be preaching this morning. Josh, come on up here. And uh, we'll introduce you to Lacey just a little bit. Yeah, give him a hand. And uh, we're excited. We're excited about this. And um, so he's going to be talking to you this morning, preaching this morning, and then uh, I'll come back up in a little bit. We'll introduce you to Lacey as well, because uh, as you know, uh, behind every good man is a good wife and woman, and, wife. and, and, and <laughs> she's, she's pushing him, and I know them both, and really, he's just up here because she told him to come up here. So, no, I'm just kidding. So, uh, but he's going to be preaching this morning, so give him a warm welcome, uh, Josh Comas. Okay. God bless you, brother. Thank you so much. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Kendrick. I can't, I can't thank you enough for the privilege it is to preach the word to you. And good morning, Heartland. We visited a couple weeks ago back in May. Maybe we met you. We met a, a couple of you that week. And um, sorry, I probably just moved that out of a camera angle somewhere. I'll, I'll be good. I'll put that back there. Okay. Um, it, it was such an incredible visit. Our family still talks about that. We, we've got three kids, Titus, Judah, and Mercy, five-year-old, three-year-old, and a one-year-old. And our five-year-old still talks about kids' ministry that Sunday. So P Pastor Doyle, I, I don't know where you are, but you and your team just loved our kids so well that morning and, and has made an impact that, that lasts to this day. And we loved worshiping with your, with your, your church family. And I can't tell you what it means, um, Dr. Kendrick and Nancy, that they have just loved us and brought us under their wing and cared for us. And the church staff has been praying for us and encouraging us along the way and cheering us on. And, and we are so humbled because this is not our, like, this is not our design. This is not our plan. This is God who's called us to this. He's called us to plant Living Hope Church in the Bradenton, Sarasota area. It's a very needy area. You might not know this, but there are less churches per capita over in that neck of the woods than down in Miami-Dade. There's just not many healthy churches that are preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, and more and more people are moving there all the time. There are almost a million people in the metro population area of Bradenton, and you could probably count on two hands the number of healthy churches that we would know and say are solid in their beliefs and are making disciples. Let that sink in for a second. So God's call we see the need, and he's called us to partner together for such a time as this. And it's extraordinary. 
It's incredible. I can't believe as we stand at the edge and we look at what God has done and what he's calling us to do in the future, that we get to be a part of that. And so my message this morning, my challenge to all of us is that we would embrace this call, that we wouldn't be content to be where we are, but that we would become an extraordinary church. We do that by embracing the extraordinary plan of God that he has for us, that he has revealed to us. Let me pray. Let me pray that God would reveal his will to us this morning, then we'll turn over to the book of Ephesians. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for the privilege to use my lips today to make much of you. We just saw this, the passage of Scripture up there from First Peter, Lord. We were called into this marvelous grace, and we get to proclaim your excellence today. And I pray that every heart, every mind, every ear, every eye would behold and see that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that he is changing us, and he's given us a love that will endure. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't we turn over to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3 verses 14 to 21 is going to be our text uh, for this morning. We're going to see God's plan for the local church. We're going to see his plan for the church around the world. Every body of believers that gather in his name, we see that he has a similar plan for them. And, and I guess I should, I, I, I should make a difference here. What makes one church extraordinary and another not extraordinary? Well, The normal church comes and gathers on Sunday morning. They do their thing. They hang out. They treat it like a social hour, like church is for us. And then we go home unchanged, go back to the nine to five grind, go to the beach on the weekend. No difference. We have not embraced the extraordinary plan of God. We have not had our lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what we don't want to be, right? We want to be an extraordinary church. And Paul defines what that is. It's actually his prayer for us. It's his prayer for the church at Ephesus. So let's read that. Verses 14 to 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And when we do that, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now that is extraordinary. That God would care for us and would care to do a work in my life and yours that's so far greater than anything you could ever dream of. Beyond your wildest dreams. And Paul's prayer is the key. Now, in case you don't know who Paul is, this is the Apostle Paul, the same one who used to persecute Christians, throw them into prison, kill them, hated Christ, hated his people. And Jesus dramatically rescued him and saved him from that life on the road to Damascus. Paul never anticipated it. He never saw it coming. But the light hit him, and Jesus spoke to him, and his life was never the same. And not only... 
did he do a complete 180, and now he's bragging on Jesus and preaching Jesus and proclaiming Jesus. He's starting new churches so that more people can come to Jesus, so that more people can love Jesus and love others and love the world. That's what Paul was all about. He couldn't get enough of Jesus. And it's like, wait, is this the same guy? The same guy that used to do what he was doing? You can read more about his journey planting the Ephesian church in Acts 19 to 20. We won't take the time to go there. But the thing about the Ephesian church is they were having some struggles. They were losing perspective of what God had planned for them. And they started getting fights about cultural things. And, 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 and what, whether you're a Jew or a non-Jew, and here's things we think you should be doing, and here's things we, sh- we think you should be prioritizing. And, and he says, hey, whoa, 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 guys, we are one family under the banner of Jesus Christ. We are a church, and we are called to embrace God's plan for us, not our plan, not our culture, a completely new way of thinking. And an extraordinary church is one that, first of all, remembers that we embody the name of our Father. I think that, I think that point will be up there. Point number one, an extraordinary church embodies the name of the Father. Look at what he said. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on, on earth is named. We're not here this morning because we thought church was a cool idea. Or we thought, oh, we got nothing better to do on the weekend. Let's just get together, sing some songs, maybe open up this Bible thing. Because there is a God in heaven who created us to know Him and to love Him and to enjoy a relationship with Him. And we wrecked it. And we were in serious need of help. Paul tells us what that was in Ephesians 2, if you flip over a page. I want to read this because I can't share the gospel better than the Apostle Paul. Okay, this is the inspired Word of God. He says, and you were dead, dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desire of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And you probably know this verse well. For by grace... You have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. This is the gift of God. That's our Father. That's my daddy. That's my God. We bear his name. A.W. Tozer said, What you think about God is the most important thing about you. So if you don't get anything else this morning, you don't know what a church plan is, you don't know who I am, that's fine. But if you walk out and you don't know how awesome our God is, you are headed for an eternity in hell. My heart breaks for you. You've got to know who God is. You've got to know the grace and the love that he has for you right here. You can't miss it. And if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, you've been adopted into his family. I've got a family member trying to go through the process of adoption 
I think there may be some people in this church who are going through the process of adoption or have gone through it. And you know it's not an easy process. It's costly. It's time-consuming. There's legal requirements. It's uncomfortable when, when, when there's an adjustment of, of bringing someone new into the family, but it's worth it. It's worth it in order to bring that child home. And that is what God did for us in Ephesians 2. And in Ephesians 1, verse 5, Paul says that in love, God chose to adopt us. That's what he wants to be known for, as a loving father. And the process of our salvation was an adoption. And there were legal requirements. We had to be made perfectly right in order to have a relationship with the holy God. So God the Son stepped down and took on human flesh, and he carried out every single legal requirement, promises fulfilled. And then he shed his blood on the cross to satisfy the cost for our sin, to pay that fee that we could never pay. And he offered us a new way of living, a way maker, way maker indeed. This is our God. This is our gospel. This is extraordinary. This is life-changing. Do you know him? Do you know this father? Do you know this God of whom we speak and whom we claim to worship? I worship you. We just sang that. Or do we go out and our lives look completely the same? Your life can't be the same if you've been adopted into the family of our amazing God. Here's another thing about an extraordinary church. Secondly, we embrace his extraordinary work in us. Paul said that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Jesus didn't come to clean us up and make us look nice. He didn't come just to save us from hell and give us an eternity in heaven. Although he did, he did give us an eternity in heaven. That's awesome. But he came for so much more than that. He came to transform our hearts for life change to take away our sin and to fill our hearts with the love of Christ and all the fruit of the Spirit, to fill us up. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came that you would have life abundantly. Okay, I didn't come to give you a half shelf life. I came to give you the fullest life imaginable. Are we embracing that goodness in his work? I mean, look at that phrase, according to the riches of his glory. Riches. Our God is fabulously wealthy. He owns everything. He created everything. But once he, what he wants to be known for in this context, in that, that family relationship, is the riches of his glory. If you look back earlier in chapter 2, which we have not read yet, I believe it's verse 8. I'm sorry, not 2, 3. Chapter 3, verse 8. He talks about his riches. Paul says, I was given the riches. And he defines it as the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, this is the wealth of God given to us to embrace, to accept, to have life change, and to share with others. So if you understand that, that's talking about the gospel. So according to the gospel, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So a Christian doesn't move on past the gospel. We go deeper into the gospel. We let the gospel get a greater hold on our lives. It's not just mental knowledge. It's not clockwork. 
It's a heartbeat. Heart that beats at one with the heartbeat of God. We allow his gospel to change us, to change the relationships around us. This is what gives hope for every marriage in the church of Christ. Because if it's just two people, you're doomed to fail. You're doomed to be miserable. But if Jesus Christ is in that relationship with you, and you have the power of the resurrected Christ in your marriage, I don't care what you've been through. Christ can resurrect that relationship and strengthen that marriage. He can give hope to that relationship with you and your child. Even if they're running far from God, even if they moved around the world to try to get away from you and get away from God. Yeah, Jonah tried that too. It didn't work. The gospel of Jesus is hope for all people everywhere. We believe that. I believe that for this church. I believe that for Living Hope Church. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be starting a new church there. Trust me. We have the power of a resurrected Christ. So Lacey and I, we've been telling people about what God's doing in our life and about Living Hope Church. And we have what we call vision nights in our home. And, and I mean, it's just, I don't know, maybe that's a cliche thing to call it, but I, I like it. I like saying it's a vision. I share God's vision for, for what he'd like to do. And, and, and Lacey's an amazing cook and baker, and she bakes these delicious uh, muffins, you know, chocolate chip or blueberry people can choose. And we get some coffee going or some hot tea and, or some water. And our friends come in, they sit around our living room, and they join us virtually, and we tell them what God has done in our lives. And this last vision night, we had a friend join us, and, and, and he and his wife, and his name's Frank. And Frank has the most unbelievable story. Frank used to smuggle drugs into the country by the plane loads, like working for cartels. Th- this guy had an unbelievable life of sin. If anyone could not be reached, you know, surely it would be Frank. And Frank got arrested. And while he was doing his time, he met prisoners that led him to Jesus Christ. And it changed his life. And now Frank is, I would say, one of the most powerful prayer warriors in our church. And he's been one of the men who my entire ministry at our, our, our home church, Salem Baptist Church in Apex, he said, you're going to be a lead pastor one day. You're going to be a lead pastor one day. You're going to be a lead pastor one day. Like, that's all, that's all he, would, he would say to me. He was just so encouraging. And I, well, I, I see the work that God's done in Frank's life. And if God can do that in Frank's life, yes, God can call me to step out and to lead and to do a new work. I just, it's amazing. It's extraordinary. If you don't know the life-changing power of God, you, you got to know it. So uh, what does that mean for our church? When we embrace this work, Let's look at what Paul says next, okay? I'm running short on time, so we're going to look at the structure of the family tree that Paul describes. Here's how we let the work of God change our lives. First of all, to embrace this work means we look at the roots of our faith. We examine the roots of our faith. He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. That word dwell stuck out to me. Christ didn't come so that you could have a distant relationship with him. He came to take up residence in our lives, to be with us. Emmanuel is one of his beautiful names, God with us. One of my favorite theologians is is Paul David Tripp. And he said, when, when Jesus changed our hearts, the address of our heart completely changed. And now our zip code is grace. (laughs) Yeah. What is zip code, right? What's your zip code? 
Yeah, I, I thought it was 27502 right now, but it's grace. If you are in the family of Christ, which is why the church universal has hope, because we all live in the same place, the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? When Lacey and I uh, moved into our, our home two years ago, <clears throat> we noticed our neighbor had a tree on the other side of the fence, and that tree looked pretty sad and pathetic. It was kind of missing half of its structure, looked pretty dead, but it had a little bit of life up top. It had some green leaves, had some, some cable lines wrapped around it, and it was holding those up. So I was like, okay, I guess, I mean, it looks pretty sad, but I, I guess it's an okay tree. And I think we have a picture to, to show you here, but we had a pretty a crazy storm uh, two weeks ago, and just sheets of rain descending, and the wind was blowing hard. And when we woke up in the morning, this is what we saw. I, and where that tree is resting against the house, that's our bedroom window. So it came inches away from just crashing through our window. And oh, so I, I guess that tree is not rooted uh, like, like it should have been. It was supporting power lines. Look, it's got some green on it. But if it's not a tree and if it's not rooted in the ground, it causes hurt and pain. It doesn't help. And I can't get that visual out of my mind as I think about what is a healthy church? If we have all kinds of ministries and all kinds of people, we got all kinds of activity going on, but if we're not rooted in the love of Christ, that's a, that's a dangerous thing. That can be a painful thing. Let's examine our roots. Let's make sure every day, am I rooted in the love? Is my motivation the love of God? Do I show up and serve because of love for God? Do I worship out of love for God? Gospel work is root work. Secondly, we experience the love of God together. This is a community effort and exercise. Paul says in 18 and 19, that we may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So to experience the extraordinary love of Christ that, that even blows our mind and our, our wildest expectations is to experience that love in community with brothers and sisters in Christ, with a family. He says the height and the depth and the, the length and, and the breadth, and, or the width, sorry, I, I think I got my words mixed up there. But Warren Wearsby, he says this is God's four-dimensional love. So if you want a shallow Christian life, don't engage with a community of believers, okay? And you'll never experience the fullness of God's love that he designed the church for. But he designed the church so that we would exercise out the love of Christ together through the ups and downs of life, the ins and the outs, the new believers, the struggling believers, the mature believers who maybe get a little too big, too big a head up here and, and need someone to remind them why they're here. The church is for all of us, that we experience the love of Christ. And I experienced this down in Panama just a week ago, and I took a team down there. We had about 10 people of students and adults from our church, and we served on the mountaintops. We served all over the country of Panama. But the one memory that will stick with me the most, is the most powerful moment, was about 9.30 at night, and we're driving around the streets of Panama City, and we're feeding the homeless. And we packed enough sandwiches and cookies and drinks for about 70 homeless. It wasn't enough. There's hundreds of homeless people there. 
could be thousands. You park, you park your, the van on one street, you think you're feeding four of them, and they just come out from the dark, and now you're feeding 16 to 20. It was the most humbling thing. And at one point, we stop on, on the side of the road, and our missionary, David, he says, hey, I need to get out, and I need to feed a guy over there. Who's going to go with me? And I'm riding shotgun. I think that's the responsibility of the guy riding shotgun, you know, me. I'll go with you. So I get out, and I take, I take just a hand, couple handfuls of food, and we walk across the street, and there's a homeless man right here on the street corner doing this, ripping open trash bags, looking for food, ripping open trash bags, looking for food. And we come up on him, and we say, hey, comida, food? And he looks up, and I just see a face blackened by the dirt of the streets. See someone who, who's ho- without hope. And we get to offer him something like food in the name of Jesus. He holds out his hands. He's got trash dripping from his fingers. And I get to put food into his hands and say, Dios te bendiga. It's all the Spanish I know. <laughs> God bless you. But I get to show the love of Christ to this man. You know why that happened? Because a missionary was faithful to obey God's call. And he invited us into that work. And so I got to see God's love for us. I got to share God's love. And then what blew me away is when I got back into the van and and later that night I asked the team, you know, what stuck out to you most about the night? And they said, it was when you fed that, that homeless man. They were watching They saw me be able to share God's love because someone showed me how to do that. That's the love of Christ. That's the surpassing love of Christ that we get to experience as a church. Here's the last thing I want to say. When we embrace the extraordinary work of God, we get to expand the kingdom of God. We get to make disciples. He says that you may be filled in all the fullness of God— What happens when you have a full, mature tree? You produce fruit. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the work, the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Do we want God's glory displayed in us to the nations? He's called us to do that. He's called us to make disciples out of the root of our faith and the strength of the love of Christ. And together, we multiply. But here's the thing, guys. He says, according to the power at work within us. I didn't come here this morning to tell Heartland, hey, here's all the ways that you're broken and you need to do better. Okay? Or here's the tools that you need that you don't have. And let me, let me pull some, some magic out. And like, oh, if you, you, know, if you do this, you'll be, you'll be the church that... I came here this morning to remind you of the work that God's already doing in your lives and to let you know it's exactly that power that will help us be an extraordinary church. It's no secret. This is already doing it. It's already in you. You don't need to add to the power of God. We need to let the power of God be unleashed through us. Embrace that plan. Walk in that plan. It's incredible. If we fully devote ourselves to him, we see his plan carried out through us. Do we want God to advance his kingdom through us? Lacey and I have committed 
that we are going to follow God's call to make disciples in Bradenton, Sarasota. And we believe that planting a new church is God's plan for us, and it's his method for reaching new people and pockets of lostness in that community. And by God's grace, God is using Heartland to be a part of that. That out of the fullness of the love that Christ is showing in this church, you then go out and share with others. And I, I, can't, I can't promise big results. I can't promise that, that this is, I mean, this is, this is going to be the next mega church, you know. I, I'm not promising any of that. But what I can promise is you'll experience the joy of God working in you and through you to advance his kingdom. And at the end of the day, that's, that I would think is enough. That's joy for us. It's joy for you. And we pray to be a church that plants churches as well. And as God grows and strengthens us, we hope to do that likewise. I'd like to conclude with an invitation, but, but really it's a prayer. It's Paul's prayer. Paul believed that what he was praying was God's will for the church. And I believe that too. I hope as a result of this morning, you see that and you embrace that and you, you love God's work in us as well. And as my closing heart desire my closing prayer is that as we consider, do I know this Father? And if I, I embraced Jesus, His Son, and, and His extraordinary love is working in my life and in our church and, and growing us up. I'd like to pray this prayer specifically over Heartland Church and over Living Hope Church. That truly what we desire here would be reality. That what God has declared in truth, we live out in practice. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to fall on my knees, like Paul. I'm going to get on my knees before the Father. I'm going to pray for you. And if you'd like to get on your knees too, you're welcome to. If you're not able to or, or you're just on your knees in your heart, you're welcome to. But as for me, I know myself. I don't want to pray proud. I want to pray humbly. And I'm going to fall on my knees and I'm going to pray for your church. Oh, Father, <clears throat> because of this gospel, we're here. And I'm here before you. You see me. You know my heart, Lord. And you know I'm the, the least deserving person to preach this message, like the Apostle Paul. Just, you're so gracious. Father, you have called this family by your name. Heartland Church and Living Hope Church. Thank you, gracious Father. And I pray that according to the same gospel that you've given to us, you would strengthen us with that same power that you sent through your spirit on the day of Pentecost and on the day we put our faith in Christ, Lord, that you would empower us today. Reach our inner being, the deepest part of us. Lord, we're sorry. We are sinners and we have sinned even today. Would you forgive us, Lord, and remind us of our roots? Would they be rooted and grounded in the love? Would Heartland Church truly be a church that loves Jesus and loves others and loves, loves the community? Lord, may we have your strength to comprehend, to grasp with all the believers your four-dimensional love in a deeper, more meaningful way than we ever have before. Would we know, truly know, your love that's far surpassing anything we could ask. And would we embrace your plan to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think? 
God, you love us more than we even love ourselves. May we surrender to that love. And would you be glorified in Heartland Church, in Living Hope Church, in your church universal through all generations. Amen. All right. Lacey, why don't you come up? So, we want you to see these guys in person. You've seen pictures of them. We want you to see them in person. And next service, we're sorry, we, we blew it here at Heartland, but we would have a picture of their beautiful family up here. And they've got just beautiful children and, and a great young family. They live in Apex, North Carolina right That's now. Right. Uh, they will be coming down in October uh, to the field. And then you will work for about a year to try to, to put a core group of people together, uh, raise support, all those kind of things. And your plan is to have your first service or roughly win. So we'll start small groups and community outreach in January. And then our launch service officially will be in September of next year. Super. Yes. Well, that is great. Now, listen, here's what we want you to do. We are the sponsoring church, the primary sponsoring church for them. We will be supporting them financially as a church and uh, over the course of the next four years uh, together. And uh, as they get started, I have uh, just recently become official coach uh, for... uh, church planters through NAM just so I can be their coach and I can work with them and I'll be working with them on a weekly basis and we, we talk right now regularly but here's what I want you to do you see we are the sponsoring church they need support they have to raise their own support to live and, and of course the first year they don't really have a church I mean they have small groups right. meeting and those kind of things and so they need financial support they need prayer support they even need people to go and be part of their team support and so I'm standing up here as your pastor today saying I want you to pray for them number one everybody pray for them pray for Living Hope Church pray for Josh and Lacey and their family Number two, I'm standing up here saying that I want you to support them financially. Outside of what you do through your tithes and offerings here, you can maybe give a little bit, contribute something to their ministry. They have a table set up out in the lobby when you walk out to the left as you're going out the south entrance. They have a table there. They have prayer cards. They have giving cards. You can go online. I think we have a link. Uh, There it is, Living Hope uh, Church. Uh, org slash give you can go there and you can set up so that it's automatically taken out so if you can give five dollars a month if you can give five thousand dollars a month whatever you can do to help them we want you to help them because this is about the kingdom this is about reaching people you heard him say a million people in Bradenton area alone and there and he said you can count on two hands the number of gospel-centered healthy churches that are there reaching people for Christ this is an opportunity for us to be uh, uh, missionaries, all of us. Anything you contribute is contributing to the missions and the outreach. So we want you to give financially. We want you to stop by that, by, by that table. And, and I said this, and this is, may sound a little weird, but you know what would be great and we would be excited about here at Heartland? If somebody, if a family, if two families or whoever said, Ed, we feel like we need to be part of what's going on in Bradenton, Sarasota. And so we would send you out with them to start that church. Maybe there are some young people here that would love to be a part of that thing. It's about the kingdom. And I'm going to tell you something. When I stood at Calvary Baptist Church that day, 
and Lamar Lifer stood up in front of that church and said exactly to that church what I'm saying to you right now. He said these words, and I've chuckled over about this, but here's the deal. If any of you decide to go with them, we don't want any goats to go. We just want sheep. <laughs> we want people that will help them out and will work hard, right? Yeah. Okay. Not, I uh, love and, Jesus. And we don't have really any goats here so, you know, that, that I know of. So. But, but, but listen, we have a lot of sheep, and we would love for you to go and help them. So we're, we're asking you to support them in a big way. This is, this is Living Hope Church, the beginning, but this is part of Heartland Church. This, this will always be part of Heartland. And then we've already talked. As they grow and they start working together and, and things growing, we're going to work together to plant more churches. Yes. We're going to do that with them. They will come along and be our partners in planting churches. Are you guys excited about this? I want to know that you're excited about it. All right. Well, listen, I'm going to pray for them, and then we're going to wrap it up. Father, we thank you so much today for Josh and Lacey. We thank you, God, for their call on their lives. We thank you for their family, for their willingness to step out of their comfort zone and to go plant a church. God, I've done it. I know what that's like. I know it's hard work. I know that there are a lot of unknowns, and, and Lord, there are a lot of question marks. But I know, God, that you are always faithful, and I know that your people are faithful. And God, I know the people here at Heartland, and there is no doubt in my mind that they're going to support them in every way that we've mentioned just a moment ago. And God, we thank you for that. I pray that you bless Living Hope Church, that even now before it's actually started, before their feet are on the field, on the ground, God, that you're already putting people together, that you're already putting things together, bringing resources to, uh, into the equation. God, that is going to make this a healthy church. And we pray, God, that as they go forward in their life and through the years, that, that Living Hope Church, through Josh and Lacey and their family, will, will make a, a huge difference for the kingdom, God. That it will, they will advance the kingdom by bringing many, many people to the saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, in discipling them, God. And we just thank you for that. We pray for success for them, and we pray for our support, God, that we'll step up and do what we should. And we give you the glory for that. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And if you agree with me, say amen. 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 All right. Well, God amen. bless you guys. Thank you, sir.